no higher love. Oh, give me a higher. Wait, are there people here? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Um. Wait, John. John, do you like movies? I, in fact, do like movies. But wait, Marcus, do you like movies? Generally speaking, yes. What? This is this is not since some Avengers shit has there been a crossover so dope. Or probably since the last time we did this. This is Popcorn Escaton, a podcast with me, Scott Thorough, and John Arminio, where we discuss movies of a lens of uh, that either or both cover leftism, religion, or the places that they intersect. We sometimes talk about movies which are straight up like leftist movies, and we sometimes we talk about movies that are straight up religious, and then sometimes we talk about stuff where you have to dig a little deeper. That's eschatology, baby. And we are on the channel of Zebras in America, the podcast that I've been making with Marcus Penn for over five years that we're slowly trying to figure out what we're doing, but... Over six years, since 2017. And Marcus Penn, who's really about exact numbers. Um, yeah, so 2017. Uh, Apparently being well, exact is a, is a bad thing, but let me not... I didn't say there. it was a bad I didn't say it was a bad thing. No, you thing. just touched I, a nerve because I got annoyed earlier today about something that needed to be exact, and it was as if I was the problem, even though... Go ahead. But let me ask you You triggered a me. I'm sorry. You triggered me activated let's not use triggered I, I could talk about this in another time but i think it's important that we allow the word triggered to be for people who have fought in wars and have felt shell shock and and survivors of sexual attacks and things of that nature or people that have ex- that have post-traumatic stress disorder that's, that's my person that's my personal gripe i mean i like annoyed annoyed works it really de- it really depends i think the term triggered you can often use the word activated i believe that it has a similar meaning that it creates something in you that reminds you of something maybe a pavlovian response something that that brings you something that takes you to a, a heightened level um so that's that's my two my two cents and I, um i just i just picked up this beautiful book by one of my so Today we're talking about stuff related to the great uh, philosopher, political mind, um, and one of the one of the early and few black analysts, Franz Fanon. But I also who's who who has been someone that's really inspired my thought. You know, Franz Fanon, C.L.R. James, Sankara, Simone Weil. As far as far as like politics and. Uh, Walter Rodney. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of people, um, and I'm. But I just found this beautiful version of Simone Weil on the abolition of political parties. Simone Weil is, is particularly important to me because she was both uh, a religious, spiritual person and and had beautiful political leanings. So I just thought I'd do a little excerpt and support your local bookstores and record stores bookstores and record stores and comic book shops like John Arminio. Me and John Arminio just met for the first time at Comic-Con Baltimore. I mean, we've been friends for many years. We never met in person. This is a world that we live in that I have many close friends that I've never met in person. 
and uh, like support tangible things. And so I got this at a Normals bookstore in Baltimore, which is bookstore, music store, existed for a very long time. And yeah, just support your local bookstore. If you're going to buy some of the books that we talk about here, I highly suggest instead of using the, that Jeff Bezos. But if you have to, I totally respect that. I understand. Mm. Um, but if you can, you can get a lot of these books at Red Emma's, which is a worker-owned bookstore in Baltimore, Maryland. Just saying. Okay. To assess political parties according to the criteria of truth, justice, and the political interest, let us first identify some three essential characteristics. A political party is a machine to generate collective passions. A political party is an organization designed to exert collective pressure upon the minds of all its individual members. And three, the first objective and also the ultimate goal of any political party is its own growth without limit. Now, I want you all to think about that. I'm not sure that I agree, and I'm not even sure that I believe in the abolition of all political parties. But we're going to talk about some complicated things today through the lens of two movies connected to fans for note. So, mm-hmm. I've talked for like nine minutes. John Arminio, would you please introduce, I guess, should we start with Loose or fans for no black skin, white masks? Um, how about we um, we introduce these ideas through the the documentary? Fantastic. So so tell us a little bit about this documentary. So uh, Black Skin White Masks uh, is a 1995 documentary um, directed by Isaac Julian, in which the life and ideas of Franz Fanon are explored through um, you know typical talking heads. Uh, and cultural critics, but also through um, the great uh, British actor Colin Salmon sort of playing Fanot and reciting um, several excerpts of his works. And so we see him sort of in reenacting some of his uh, work as, as an analyst, but also as a philosopher, as, as a husband, um, and as a, a political radical. And I think it's a sort of a fascinating way to explore his uh, life and philosophy. And we also get insights because it was made early enough that some of his immediate family members were still alive. So we get some pretty um, heart-rending accounts from his uh, children and his uh, brother. Yeah, because Franz Fanon, he passed away in 1961. He was from Martinique, uh, studied medicine in France. And again, was was an early analyst, um, and wrote. I think his 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 most important books are probably the Wretched of the Earth and Wretched on the Earth and uh, and Black Skin and White Masks. And there's actually a metal band called the Wretched of the Earth that's got a political leaning. That's that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And the Wretched of the Earth is the one that people talk about, but Black Skin White Masks is is actually probably more popular in philosophy circles all right because i was gonna say i know that i mean i know both works but black skin white mask is what i would always assume like the first thing generally speaking is what someone would think of i never oh you're you're in the literature one philosophy world more than i am so you would know more than me in the left in the leftist spaces the stuff that he that we talk about in 
so a lot of the stuff that's quoted comes from other work. But this this is a work. Yeah, it really depends on the world that you come from. This is considered one of the more important pieces of modern philosophy. Mm-hmm. But again, he's considered a very important figure in modern leftism. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think a lot of the, the thesis of Black and White Max is dealing with responding to incorporating the Hegelian dialectic. And, and I think leftism isn't really on board with, with Hegel, you know, the guy who invented the master-slave dialectic. Uh, and so I, I think it's uh, a little more difficult for leftism to sort of incorporate those, those ideas, whereas philosophy, that's sort of like baked into um, like the last century of philosophical thought. Well, I was going to say current modern leftism, I, I guess for, from an age standpoint, like younger, I don't know if they would rock with truly rock with Franz Fanon today. I mean, I they, guess they yeah, do. I, I know his work. I know that they do. I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, they might say it, but then other things, other ideologies that I'm seeing being pushed today by leftists, I don't think Franz Fanon would rock with that. Just so, based, just strictly based on his race and his gender combined, seeing as that they seem to kind of be a, a weird punching bag in a lot of lanes of, of leftism n- n- nowadays. Black men is what I'm getting at, so... Mm. Black I mean, men I, with free thought, black men who don't do what they're supposed to do, you know, in a weird kind of, you know, just just saying. I mean, personally, this was the first time I was, I was reading Fanon, and because I think just by sheer amount of text, he spends as much time dealing with, like, what, what the, the title of the book is referring to, but also the, you know, pretty regressive like psychoanalytic uh psychosexual um stuff that was that was part of psychotherapy during the 50s mm. and so you know he has a, I, ideas like like there's no homosexuality in Martinique because Martinicans don't suffer from the edible complex and it's only when Martinicans go to France that they become um, like victims of homosexual lifestyles because that's where right. the Oedipal neuroses is most prominent. Um, wow. And so I, I had a little bit of a uh, problem swallowing that. And he, he also, especially in the chapter dealing with um, I'm a Martinican woman, where he's very dismissive of the the female author's experience a, as a woman living in Martinique and, and is pretty sort of dismissive of the female experience mm. overall. And, and I would say that, you know, we can, I think there are issues of masculinity in early leftism that needs mm-hmm. to be looked at. And Fanon and C.L.R. James came from a world where they believed that the Hegelian dialectic allowed for better understanding of um, dialectical materialism and being good at arguing. Marcus, as a baseline, when you say modern leftist, what do you mean by that? Jesus, you said we only have an hour, right? Um, No, I I, I guess, um, like I said, I was trying to stop myself in the middle and, and elaborate a little bit more. I think maybe just 
left-leaning, I'm using air quote progressive, 30 years old and younger, um, who are just... This is such a problem now. It's like anything is... Well, I didn't say I'm that. Like, I think that's just kind of everyone's response to, to anything. Everything in the world is so reactionary, but I'll, I'll give it a stab. Just, you know, non-conservative, anti-conservative... Um, liberal um not not just i'm not a liberal right but i think that liberal ism and the isms that come with it aren't really associated with i'm using air quotes conservatives right-leaning you know what i mean um what i'm trying to say i think part of the problem is who who the fuck knows you know what i'm trying to say is that you're i feel like you're talking about progressives and people that might call themselves liberals, people yeah. that probably understand that neoliberalism is not the right way, but probably might stop at socialism or communism. Mm. Um, maybe I, I feel like you're talking about people for whom identity politics is important. I am. I am. I am. You're, you're kind of hitting the, the head on the nose. I, I, I am. Right. And and. I want to say for the people listening, that's not the leftism that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a socialist. I believe that the the means of production should be given to the workers, and that uh, you can't dismiss all of this as class, or you can't dismiss all of this as race, and you can't dismiss all of this as gender. Or identity, you all of it is all of it is part of it. I, I truly believe in in the importance of intersectionality, especially in liberation, and um, I I think identity politics sometimes distracts from the greater good, but is also important. So I just want to under, want to understand that when I talk about leftists, I'm not talking about liberals on on Twitter mm. calling or in the real world. Because I or think the, when you say Twitter, real world. people are going to dismiss it and say, ah, those people don't exist, but I'm sorry, they, they do. Mm. They very much do, but but anyway. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm moving I past that. John, you. John, you, John, what were you I about to say? Um, past, I hope everyone moves past that and people like that, but go ahead. Well, I, I think um, part of the reason why I think, you know, it is especially in the West right now that... Um, the right wing and fascism are, are still having such a, an enormous sway over political life is because there's such a split between factions of leftism um, for yeah. a variety of reasons. So um, there's, there isn't, and I don't know if there ever really was just like one leftism. So I, I think there's just, just this, you know, splintered, fractured, very loose group of, ideologies um and and so i think certain elements of those groups are always going to be sort of miffed at each other but but i think there are a few ideas in black skin white mask that don't truck with a lot of current leftist thought and and, you know that's a big generalization but i think you know in the book he he openly advocates for you know, violent revolution and says that it's necessary for, you know, especially for 
black people to overthrow their oppressors. Like it, it, there cannot be decolonialization, which is sort of a paternalistic, quote unquote, freeing of colonized people that they have to take the reins of freedom uh, for themselves. And, and I think for, you know, a a 21st century leftist, the idea of advocating for violent revolution is, is not something that um, is in their wheelhouse. And I know, Scott, you've, you've mentioned a couple times in the podcast, um, that nonviolent shit will get you killed. Um, but I also think it's advocating for violence is definitely something that that's problematic in, in, uh, modern political discourse. I'm going to just not respond to that, but I do feel that, um, the things you talk about do also strike an importance in the other film we're going to discuss, but let's discuss the film Black Skin, White Masks a little bit. You know, I, you know, one thing that that I was thinking about a lot just watching this um, is that, you know, I've, I've grown up a James Bond fan, and the, this movie sort of um, highlights James Bond in a couple of interesting ways. And one is just the, the presence of Colin Salmon playing Franz Fanon, because Salmon was in three different Bond movies in the 90s, where he's playing this character called Robinson, who's basically like um, an MI6 Aide de camp, where he's the guy who's like handing James Bond the files and explaining, you know, who the bad guy is, or, or maybe oh, wow. he'll he'll draw a gun every once in a while if if you know a, a bad guy infiltrates MI6, um, and that's a pretty for an actor. I think that's actually a very difficult role because you have to do exposition dumps between like the funny cue scene and the action scene and make that information like interesting and engaging for the audience so they understand it mm-hmm. but at the same time as an actor he's going from playing this like brilliant black philosopher political revolutionary to somebody who's a tool of <laughs> of global colonization you know who's who is an a, a subservient yeah, that's crazy wow. to subservient to an intelligence or an arm of British intelligence. And so, also gets laser blasted in resident evil. Yeah, that, right. that too. Huh. Yes. So, so just that dynamic I, I thought was interesting and was like illustrating the ideas that Fenno was talking about. Did you like the film? Yeah, I, I did. I, I thought it was, um, fascinating. I, I, I really like the cultural critics that they got to talk about the uh, Fenom and his ideas. And it's like 71 minutes. Which is yeah. a wonder, wonderful, Love that wonderful. Runtime. Yeah. More 71 minute movies. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, did you like the movie? Oh, I love that movie very much. It's funny. Um, when you asked me to do this podcast, I questioned, oh, wait, am I a phony? Because, uh, 
I saw this movie a long time ago. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times, but the first time I saw it was high school, senior year of high school, something like that. And then just being around. So I saw that movie, and then the fact that Franz Fanon's literature was in the Pin household, and then it hit me as like, oh, I've never actually read this. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I've seen the movie, which is a very tr- obviously a very truncated version of it, and then. I've seen the book and I've seen his literature. I was like, oh, I've never actually read this. So that so that was very interesting. And I guess technically I still haven't read it. I listened to it uh, one and a half times. But um, but yeah, long story short, I, I really I, I like this movie. I also have a, like the nitpickiness that Scott pointed out earlier. It's also it's like a part documentary. It, it, it's kind of got this like it, it's that like. Errol Morris, you know, thin blue line style where they're, you know, I mean, we've already acknowledged that there's actors in the movie, but it's also talking head in, in interview stuff. You know, it's a hybrid of, of, of the two. And what was your takeaway from the book? You said we only have an hour, man. Um, it's, it's, it's tough because it's like, I'm not trying to, Ooh, I know, but I think as a, as a, a black man, I like to think I'm unique, and, you know, I grew up in a mostly white town, but then I went to a predominant, I went to a historically black college, there's just been a lot of things that race, white acceptance, white people's opinions, black acceptance, black people's opinions, that it's like, a lot of my subconscious kind of Terrence Malick type thoughts that come in and out of my mind throughout the day since, you know, as long as I I, I can remember, that's kind of what this book makes me think about. Like, you think about, like, whoa, don't think that. Or other times, like, huh, I wonder if anybody is thinking this. And this is the kind of book that kind of validates that. Although, not to add another, uh, whatever the term is, you know, like a roadblock. But, you know, two, I'm American. I'm black American, whereas friends when I was not. And the experience he's talking about isn't. So, obviously, there's some universal stuff that applies but then there's also certain cultural things and generational things that i know nothing of so i don't know man um but it's important it's also the kind of thing that like i hope my son i'm gonna i hope my son reads at an age when he can i think grasp and understand it or take his time read a little bit this year come back to it a couple years later read a little bit more you know what i mean so i mean he, he's smart but he's too i don't think he's reading <laughs> yeah well, that's right said, now you know, l- 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 later in life and again and, and it's funny the older he's gonna have different uh there's gonna be racial stuff that good i'm not just because i say he's experienced racial stuff i think people automatically think oh he's gonna have a bad experience but he's just gonna have experiences that even I can't relate to, and that his mother can't relate to. For those of you li- listening, my son is biracial, so that's a whole other thing that, that like, I, I, there's things that my son's probably going to teach me, experience-wise, that I, I, I know, I know nothing of. But um, yeah, but it's, but, but it's an important read. I, I, I also thought of my dad. I felt bad. I, I wanted to be like, hey, dad, you want to talk about this? But he's not here to talk about it, obviously, because he was. Franz Fanon is definitely in my dad's canon of 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 people that he's well versed in. I don't. I I guess admire. I guess I guess you could say admired him. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. yeah, I I regret getting into politics twenty years after my father passed away. Sure. But right. 
What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. So the last time you were on here, you when we were talking about this, you were like, oh, have you seen the movie Loose? Mm-hmm. Uh, John, tell us about the movie Loose. Okay, uh, Loose uh, is a 2019 uh, drama starring um, Naomi Watts, Octavia Spencer, Kelvin Harrison Jr., and Tim Roth, um, directed by Julius Ona, adapted from the play of the same name by J.C. Lee. Um and it's and about mu- music music by Jeff Barrow and some other guy Jeff Barrow from Portishead. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Damn, I didn't even realize that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, right, motherfucker. <laughs> wow. Uh so it's it's about um a high school student named Luce who is an adoptee of uh white parents by an by played by Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. He's a former child soldier from Eritrea, who I, I think they adopted him around eight years old. And um, we hear about um, his trauma and the sort of very difficult process of him acclimating to life in America, um, but we don't really see it. But the, the drama of the film is his sort of battle of wills with his teacher Octavia Spencer who suspects there's things under the surface of Luce who's just an all-star student an all-star athlete um, that that the school and his parents are are not seeing yeah and it's it starts with you know Octavia Spencer getting Luce's parents because she's sort of appalled by this paper that Luce wrote basically using Fano's words about how ending colonialism involves violence. And this sort of starts this domino effect of is it Machiavellian ways of, of Luce figuring shit out? Yeah, the film is pointedly ambiguous in the motivations of, especially Luce, um, but but also of his parents and and even occasionally Octavia Spencer's character, uh, Ms. Wilson. Um, and, and I think that is partially to the, to the incredible performance of Kelvin Harrison Jr., who's just constantly playing loose playing the character of loose like he's you can see him playing to people's expectations of him so many of his lines have double meaning and you you have to like read into the words behind his words and i think for such a young actor to be able to pull that off is is really extraordinary like whatever you think of the movie i I think he's just like such a standout in, in the film. It, it, it's funny you say that because I keep hoping that he gets this is Calvin Harrison. He gets put in a movie that I just enjoy from start to finish, which hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. He's in some interesting stuff, but usually, as as, as a movie, it's, it falls short somewhere. You know, it comes at night or loose. This is or waves, um, you know, stuff like that. And it's like God, don't don't waste this guy. Yeah, um, which is. Not 
fully happening, but it's kind of sort of happening. But but that's just my personal opinion. I I I don't speak for anybody else, but but myself. What do you think of the movie? It's like um, it's interesting. I've actually seen it a couple of times. I I saw it. I went to go see it years ago with uh you know friend in real life, friend of the show, and Timmy Gant. We had a lot to talk about afterwards, and I just remember it was just it was one of those things where as a movie, it's like eh, but. There's still a lot of stuff in it to talk about. It, it, it's one of those movies where it's like at the end of the day, it's not terrible, but it's also not good. But so many dynamics, so many things in the movie, like this isn't just something. Ah, oh, well, I saw that, that you know, and that's that. Like I said, I went, I, 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 I streamed it, I, I've rented it, I've watched it a bunch of times. Sometimes be like, no, m- maybe I do like this movie, or no, but there's still stuff in in there to talk about. Like for example, France for no. Or just the fact that I like to do a lot of, like, dream e- 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 editing from movies like this, where it's like, either take out the, the sister character and, you know, things like that, or the fact that Luce comes from another co- a war-torn country, and the fact that there's this, like, sister character, which is almost like a whole other movie. It's like, maybe this should have been a miniseries, and then we could have really hashed some stuff out. But kind of, you know, just like your average m- movie time, it's almost like 10 pounds of stuff in a five-pound bag is kind of what, 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 what the best way to, to kind of describe this, and, and that's not really a good thing. I don't know. I strongly believe that Luce being an error-trained child soldier is very important to the story. Right, which is why I'm saying, so then let's maybe, maybe this should have been longer, is, is, is what I'm saying. Did y'all ever read Long Way Gone by Ishmael B.? I have not. Well, it's it's about a child supporter, child soldier, and what it was like, and how you sort of get over that if you ever can. Um, Cause that shit is real as fuck, you know. It's like I, I actually I can't. I was gonna say I can't imagine, but I actually can't imagine. I I kind of like the idea. Of Luz's experience as a child soldier only existing in the heads of his parents and his teachers, because yeah, they can't they, they can't imagine, mm. and so they're they're projecting their own expectations of his past at the same time mm. as they're projecting their own expectations of of his present. Yeah. And how would y'all say they incorporated Fano into this movie? Jeez. I'll let John go first. It or Scott. It it, it kind of seemed incidental to me that they picked him. They picked Fano. Um Right. Because... It's not. It's not quite a MacGuffin, but it's in. Yeah. It yeah. seems more like a jump-off point. Yeah. Like if they had said right, yes, Fred yes. Hampton, would the movie change in any way? Yes. Um, like the only act of overt violence that occurs is there's like an explosion of of fireworks inside the school, um, and and then the the teacher's uh, house is graffitied with with some racial epithets, which is I would consider that an act of violence as well. Um, but we, but the actions of Luce at their worst are like you said, Scott Machiavellian. And don't really hold with like political radicalism or 
a revolutionary action. So yeah, I, I don't think that the political ideas of Frantz Fanon are, are executed by any of these characters. But I also think that a 17-year-old, no matter how, you know, this 17-year-old this did not have the average life that like a little kid had, but still... I still think any this is something where like a seventeen year old you know you read black black face white masks for the first time and I sometimes wonder if he thinks that he's doing a a revolutionary act mm-hmm. based on what limited life experience he has you know what right. I'm saying yeah but what is what is he doing I, I have we mentioned that the teacher is also black. I, I think that's kind of an important. I, I I don't know if John did when he was given oh. the. Di- we mentioned her name, which would yeah, Octavius. I think yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but um, for those who don't, black yeah. actor. Yeah. yeah. Either way, if you don't, yeah, but but that's also the dynamic, mm-hmm. too. And I immediately thought of a film, so, a soldier story. I'll get to that later. But the 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 thing about Miss Harris, wait. Is that her name? What's her name in the film? Uh, Ms. Wilson. Ms. Wilson is that it also seems like she has it out for another black student. And I think part of the also the reason she has it out for this young black student also has to do with with, with his race. Also, it's a lot. It's it's very it's like, you know, it's internal stuff. It's like, you know, like if, if when you tell someone who. Like like a vote blue, no matter what t- type of de- de- Democrat. There are different types of black people that don't like other black people. They'll go, wait, what? And they really mean it. Or just how, you know, like it depending on what generation it is that you know whether Caribbean and African and some of the internal beefs that they have with black Americans or black Latinos. Like the, 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 there's a lot of. And and I, I would say that Miss Wilson's a very conservative. And I think she kind of has this ideology. I'm not talking about hard nose, but she's very much like all these young black boys and their rap music and sagging their pants. And I think she is kind of against that to some degree. I I, I definitely think that that's part of why her character exists, like this new generation of blackness. Um, and, and And it's also she kind of has the student's future in her hands and you know we we don't this kid is only 17 years old we don't know if his life is ruined but he's like a phenomenal track star and through his actions and her power she kind of holds him back from you know being this track star because his work isn't getting done and it's like oh well you could work with him but instead it's like no i'm just gonna make a an example out of this guy yeah, and she makes an example out of Luz's friend Deshawn by getting him no, kicked well, off the, the track team. Well, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. But then she sort of makes sure that Luce has a chance to succeed because of what he represents. And like she even exactly. says to Naomi Watts, "Who he is is too important for the school to fuck it up. He can't fuck it up." Yeah. Yeah. So she's projecting like this mission that she thinks that Lou should be on, yeah. um, to like succeed in some like theoretical way. Yeah. And, and then to and her think... surprise, he loose. And then as the movie slowly progresses, she realizes like, oh wait, is he loose is against me? But I thought I did all this. I was trying to help help you out in some weird kind of, kind of way. Mm-hmm. I think that that's also her big kind of like wait wait a minute what moment you know. 
And, you know, another wrench in this is the experience of Luce's girlfriend, a character named Stephanie Kim, Mm -hmm. who is revealed in the movie that there's some type of sexual assault happened at a party where a group of boys participated in it. And it's unclear if Luce uh, was participating in it. Like, she vehemently denies that he was there, but it seems like a very, like, kind of vocal denial that he was there like like she's in denial that he was there mm-hmm. and um it's un- unclear if Luce's friends participated yeah. to, it seems like he's just protecting them by f- kind of forcing her to keep it secret yeah um and and it also seems like Luce uses that incident to manipulate yes. both his parents and Octavia Spencer absolutely to, to get her to humiliate her in front yep. of the principal. Yep. I I enjoyed the movie. I feel like, again, I feel like Fano was more like a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to, you know, look at the politics of the movie, but I'm having a little bit of trouble. Other than, like, privilege. Expand, like, what, what, what do you mean? Well, Luce comes from privilege now, but also comes from hell. His parents are privileged, and they act very liberal. They act like this trope of, of a white liberal that, you know, is with it. Um, and then you have this school that's like a good school, but what's going on there you know and again yeah if if you also i don't know if you saw a little deeper in this and this isn't to negate moms and big up dads but i also think but what you just described is way more in the naomi watts character like not my son whereas like tim roth who who absolutely and he professes his love for loose but he also He's a little more down to earth. I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil this kind of ending, but throughout the movie, he's still a little, he's a little more grounded, whereas yeah. Naomi Watts is a bit more. She would never accept that Luce did, does anything bad. Where I get the sense that Tim Roth would kind of, well, maybe he did, or maybe he could. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he he calls out Luce. Like at one point, Luce says that, oh, the fireworks, uh, you know, are my teammates share share my locker it's it's not mine which is a very like high school kid kind of lie yeah and so tim roth says that's bullshit um but but i do think they were 10 years ago they were very naive in their expectations for adopting an older child from a war-torn country like they were it seems like they were not ready especially tim roth um for the responsibility and the pain that they would experience with that and um, you know, I, I think even in the best circumstances, I think uh, transracial adoption is is very difficult, yes. and it re- requires yeah. a lot of preparation oh, yeah. and forethought uh, in all parties involved. And it seems like even if they had the best of intentions, um, this couple was just not ready. You know, um, I think we're gonna wind down a little bit, uh, but yeah. You know, good intentions don't pay the rent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
what are some closing thoughts from you guys? I kind of I want to watch Loose again. Uh, that was such a movie that like came and went. Um, yeah. And do you want to talk about the movie that you were referencing? Oh, a soldier story. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's some strong for those of you who have seen Loose or who haven't seen Loose. A soldier story outside of just it, it, it being this all-star cast of young up-and-coming actors, Denzel Washington, David Allen Greer, Robert Townsend. Um, when you get through the, the, the differences, the meat of it is you have this sergeant who he doesn't like, and this I'm, I'm speaking under his umbrella, he doesn't like ignorant black folks, and you know he wants black people to be more upstanding, and then someone gets set up and then someone takes revenge and it's and and a young denzel washington is essentially in a weird kind of roundabout way is the loose character whereas adolf caesar who's this kind of like self-hating black guy he's a more extreme version of of miss wilson so yeah that's one of just those i think all time like "Quote unquote villain performances like it's he's yeah. so great a sad film. villain though yeah not, not and because you look know, I you know it's uh this isn't like a damn how do I say this it's not like well he got what he deserved it's not so when it happens and everything it's almost just like oh like like you kind of like well damn you, you know it's almost like well that's unfortunate his life and what everything you know mm-hmm. let let led up to yeah so. And John, any any takeaways? Um, I, I think all the performances um, in Loose are fantastic, and I I admire it for tackling the the ideas that it does, and for being very determined into not like giving you um, a clear moral and giving you a lot of ideas to think about on your own. And but I also think that. Um, it's it's ambiguity. It might be leaning too hard into ambiguity because at some points, yes, it, it, yes. it's like, well, what what are you saying exactly? Oh um, my god! Right. So I don't mean to cut you off, but when I when I left the movie theater, I do remember being like, so what? So what's the? Not that movies have to give you spoon feed you, but it was mm-hmm. also like, so, so what are we saying here? Like, you know what I mean? It, it did kind of feel like, huh. And and especially because Luce is not some sociopath, like he's not a we talk we need to talk about Kevin sort of character. Like we, when he's alone, we see him like work himself up at, like into tears for what yeah. he's he's going through. But at the yeah. same time, he's extremely manipulative. Um, so it, it's morally complex, but but maybe too morally complex for its own good. I agree, and my my end thing is read books. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. And Marcus, yeah. obviously, come back whenever you want. Great, please. I tried to I tried to hold my coughs in as much as possible. Sorry. You're, we're we're all just doing our best. We're all I Buddhas. Am. We're all Buddhas in weight. Namaste. All right. Man.